This week, I'm speaking with Nidhi Tiwari, who's based in Washington, D.C. Nidhi is a keynote speaker. Her subject is mental health, and she makes a living, like many of us, communicating her programs, her workshops to a corporate audience. And she's had work appear in publications like The New York Times, Forbes, The Washington Post, Oprah Daily, HuffPost, and so on. And the reason this is really relevant to you is because, like many of us, when we're trying to figure out, when you're trying to figure out how to communicate what you do to your audience, why they should work with you, listen to you, hire you, we have to attune that message to the audience. So today's topic is all about communicating or attuning your mindset with your audience. As as Nitty says, quite rightfully in today's interview, it's really helpful to anticipate and adapt to the needs of your audience, which might become your client. When you have this initial conversation, you should be doing some kind of needs assessment, you understand their struggles, and you whittle down what you are delivering to them um, in a way that they think this is the person who understands what we need, exactly what we need. So today, what exactly is an attunement mindset? How can you create impact and change with that communication? Ways to make your message resonate with the audience. And I also want to talk about Nitty's background. How did you get into this area? Because this is always really popular with the audience. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. I'm the lucky host of the show. This is the Training Business Podcast. Who's it for? Well, people like you and I. If you're someone out there who currently is or is thinking about selling your expertise in the form of products and services, perhaps training, facilitation, learning and development consultation or something else to do with helping your people, your audience, be the best that they can be, then this is the podcast for you. And I began, like many of us out there, um, perhaps unclear about what I do and whom I do it for. I work for organizations like Disney and Club Med, and I finally found my niche. And what I do these days is I work as a sales trainer, but perhaps you're in something else like leadership development or maybe some kind of um, compliance training. But if you're in the world of, of training and development slash consultation facilitation, then this is the show for you. And every Thursday, without fail, on your podcast platform of choice, we have an episode lined up for you. If you've not listened to this before, welcome. If you are a regular listener, then welcome back. You'll find all episodes past, present, and future on your podcast platform of choice, whatever that is. And can I ask you, therefore, to subscribe to the show? It costs absolutely nothing, takes a couple of seconds, and confirms the value that Joe, Sam, and James and myself do every single week in bringing you episodes of the show. Nitty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. So this is the Training Business Podcast. And as I mentioned to you when we first spoke, it's all about sharing value with people just like us, people who are keynote speakers or facilitators or trainers. In fact, I've just wrapped up uh, a session today with a financial services company here in Edinburgh, in Scotland. So let's talk about you, first of all, rather than me. Where are you based and what do you do and whom do you serve? 
So I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area, and um, I'm a keynote speaker, as you mentioned. I also do workshops and trainings, and the people that I serve are organizations, leaders, and events that are looking for somebody to come in and speak to mental health, workplace well-being, and leadership. Why are those things so important to Unity? Well, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and that means that I'm a therapist who for 10 years has worked with leaders in healing from trauma and anxiety disorders. And my journey as a speaker began actually in graduate school, where I started to teach people uh, different therapeutic techniques. But really, my keynote speaking journey began in 2018, and it was the result of a tragedy that I experienced in my life. In okay. 2018, yes. Mm-hmm. In 2018, uh, my best friend of 15 years uh, passed away, and I went through a period of grief that affected me in every facet of my life, including in the workplace. And so what I discovered in my journey was that there weren't many systems in place and not a great understanding of how grief, loss, and other mental health conditions can impact you in and out of work. And so part of my journey as a um, consultant and as a speaker has been to help leaders to create teams and uh, an organizational culture that promotes well-being so that people don't have to go through what I went through during that period of my life. So that's a very personal reason to, to share what you know, and that's direct experience. What is the marketplace for this? Because I'm sure there are plenty of people and I've seen the conversation change on LinkedIn in recent years. People are now more comfortable talking about mental health and and stress and and, uh, that kind of thing and well-being. What is the marketplace? And by that, I mean, who needs what you do? I personally think every organization can benefit from prioritizing well-being because when we don't prioritize well-being, it affects retention, it affects productivity and outcomes and ultimately the bottom line. Uh, But the organizations that I've worked with include NPR, I've worked with Activate Global Research, hospital systems, and I've spoken to a number of events. And I think the common thread amongst all of these organizations is that they're seeing mental health is something that is real and that it does affect people in the workplace. And they're starting to especially see through this pandemic how that affects every element of leadership as well mm. as productivity and outcomes. So um, yeah, there's it's a vast uh, you know landscape, I think, of people that could benefit. How did you go and find that initial first customer? Because you have that background, you have that credibility, but how did you go from knowing a subject to now selling your knowledge in the form of products and services? Well, I had to figure out what was the need and how was I going to be able to niche into that? So having my mental health expertise and being an influencer on platforms like Instagram and um, Clubhouse, I saw that there was a desire for people to know a bit more about mental health. And so I had to figure out, though, how does this then apply to the workplace, which is ultimately where I wanted to scale impact. And it was in a couple of ways. I saw that burnout was at all-time highs through this Mm. pandemic and that there weren't systems in place to assist leaders 
and organizations and creating and optimizing their culture. So burnout gets reduced. So that was one niche that I found, right? Another is that leaders are recognizing that their emotional skills, their social skills are absolutely imperative in their success as leaders. And so how do you have these difficult conversations with an employee who's struggling with anxiety and it's affecting their work output, right? And so I started to be able to to create workshops and um, keynotes around teaching these skills Mm -hmm. to leaders and solving problems for organizations that maybe others don't have the specific expertise that I'm bringing to the table. Okay. What was it like to to realize there's a, a, a need in the marketplace uh, and then be confident that what you're developing as products you charge for, how did you know those were the things that were actually meeting that need? So I think once I had repeat requests for, mm-hmm. hey, we're struggling with burnout, it was validation of my business plan. So just as right. any good business owner, you try out different things and you try to see what's going to resonate the most with your audience. Mm-hmm. And I found that across the board, those couple of uh, topics that I had mentioned a few moments ago were mm-hmm. at top of mind for organizations. Right. Um, so that was how I, I knew I was on the right trajectory. Um, and, okay. uh, and I think that, you know, being able to look at that intersection of what your expertise is and how you're going to be able to create a product that meets the need is a key component of of getting that first customer and being able to get your foot in the door. Right. So I would imagine that these days, referrals are a large part of your business model. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Yes. And repeat customers. So yeah. when when I do a, a speaking engagement for somebody, the next year, if they have the same event, they tend to reach back out um, because mm. they enjoy the content, right? So I would say referrals and word of mouth, but then also cultivating and fostering those relationships with past clients as well. How do you do that? I'm curious. So a couple of ways. After every single talk that I give, I schedule a postmortem, meaning it's an opportunity for me to meet with the organizers, the people that hired me, and get some honest feedback about survey results or what did they think landed and resonated the best. And if there was any room for improvement, what might that be? It's also an opportunity, though, to broaden their knowledge of your service offerings. So I may mention in that conversation after they've, you know, spoken praises about the work that I'm so glad that you appreciated what I did. Here are some additional workshops that I offer. And I would love to talk with you and see if any of these may be a good fit for your organization between now and the next event. And so you can see that you're building this relationship um, and you're helping to check back in and just from genuine curiosity want to see what went well. And if there's an opportunity to help them further, then why not offer that as well? I love that. That's really confident. You're you're obviously going through a feedback process, but it's also an opportunity to position what else you can serve your audience with. That's right. So thinking of your, your three tips today, which you've graciously put together for our audience here, um, those are in the order you've given them to me. One, attune to your audience. We're going to go into each of these individually in a moment. Secondly, your story is your strength, and that really resonates with me. And the third one is not to, you know, snow the audience with too much information, keeping it simple. So let's let's get you to, let's turn over things to you. What do you mean, first of all, by attuned to your audience? And why would someone listening to this need to take that tip on board? 
Sure. I'm sure most people haven't even heard this word attuned. So let's start there. Okay. Um, part, of, part of my thought leadership is around this idea called attuned leadership. Okay. And okay. it's the idea that my mind and body is connected to your mind and body, that mm-hmm. what I'm feeling and thinking and believing moment to moment is influenced by you and vice versa. So okay. how does this apply to the speaking business? Well, attunement also means that we have to be able to anticipate and adapt to the needs of the client. So when you have this initial Mm -hmm. conversation with your client, you should be doing some sort of needs assessment, really getting into some detail around what their pain points are. And I'm not a fan of people um, of of putting together a talk that is just a one size fits all. I I know some speakers do that and and that's fantastic. It's just not my approach because I think that sometimes it's helpful to be able to really hone in and and connect this to the specific audience that you're going to be speaking to for this event or for this training, right? Um, And so that's what I mean by attuning to the needs of the audience. You really have to understand to some degree what their struggles are so that you can address them with solutions in your training. Mm-hmm. So tuning to your audience, and, and you said to me, the best speakers understand the needs of their audience and they cater their training to meet those needs. So we have to do that work. And, and to your point there, Nidhi, um, there are quite a few people I know who have this, let's say, a tableau or list, almost like a menu of keynotes that never change. And it, it sounds efficient, but I wonder sometimes if that's just too efficient. So there's no real personalization or customization to the audience. Why would you sell a talk for 5,000 without putting any thought into how to actually make it work for that audience? Yes, exactly. And we have to remember that that is the entire a purpose of us doing a talk or a training, right? It's not for ourselves. It's to be able to create impact and change for the people mm. that we're speaking to. And how can we enact change if we don't understand what needs to be changed, right? So yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that if you have a list of keynotes, then part of your selling of your keynotes is that I'm going to hear exactly what you need and this talk on burnout is going to be addressing those specific needs, right? And so right. you can have the the general offerings, but just make sure in that initial conversation, you make it clear that attunement is top of mind for you. And those need not be complex things necessarily. For example, I ran a, a workshop yesterday with a mobility or mobile platform service company in, in London. And I could see the reaction because I'd made a few amendments to the slides. I'd chosen appropriate graphics. I'd put in some keywords, some terms only they would use. And that small amount of personalization really adds value, right? That attunement to your audience. A hundred percent. I did a keynote um, in July or June yeah. uh, in Palm Springs, and it was for a sorority organization. Now, okay. I've never been in a sorority. I don't know what the culture is like. So I had to do my research. And what I found is that the keynote resonated so much more because it wasn't just about mental health and diversity at, in general terms. It was specific to community building and sisterhood. And those messages right. resonated with that mm-hmm. particular audience. So I love what you're saying that when you spoke to this particular audience, you figured out specific graphics that you wanted to incorporate that you knew were going to evoke an emotion or really resonate with the audience that was specific to them. So there is efficiency in in having a formula for a keynote, but the keynote need not just be so um, formulaic, 
that it never attunes to the needs of the audience. So I think it's important when we're charging for things that we add some value in the form of personalization. Your second point is your story is your strength. Um, and you say that it's important to incorporate storytelling into your trainings. You don't have to convince me, <laughs> but uh, why do you believe this to be true? Because I've made the mistake of not telling stories. Okay. okay. So I'm going to take you back to one of the first <laughs> talks that I did as a professional speaker. Now, remember, I have an academic background. I'm a clinician. Research is absolutely something that is still a part of my keynotes, but I've had to change and adapt and attune right over the years. So in one of the first talks I ever gave, I thought that I was being hired because of my clinical know-how, because of my technical know-how. So I put together the slide deck and I'm so excited to be able to share all of this research and all of these details, yeah. right? But then when I go up to give the keynote that next day and that's training the next day, people are like on their phones, they're like scrolling, they're like not even paying attention to what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, coffee gets delivered to the back of the room, there's donuts in the back of the room, and people start getting up and getting coffee and donuts. I had lost yeah. them. So I had to kind of choose in that moment. It was, okay, I can continue just spewing information at people or I can read the room and understand that I've lost the connection. There's no connection here. So I switched gears and I started to tell a story about the data. I started to connect it to the people that they were working with, real life scenarios that I had encountered and that they had encountered. And before I knew it, people were back in their seats, engaged, making eye contact and taking notes. In that moment, I discovered the importance of storytelling. You can't go into a training and think that information is why you are being hired. You are being hired to transform people and to motivate them, to teach them something, yeah. but to also inspire them to utilize the things that you're teaching. And the only way that you can do that is by connecting with their emotions, and that's through storytelling. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Storytelling is a natural vehicle for information because you know, in all cultures, there's some element of oral, you know, information transfer. And therefore, our brains are hardwired for stories. Um, when you're selling yourself as a consultant, as a keynote speaker, do you also lean into your stories to get yourself positioned in the minds of your audience and differentiate yourself from your competition? Yes. So I, I'll definitely incorporate multiple stories throughout a mm. keynote. And um, mm. in the in these initial conversations that I'll have with a client, we'll we'll talk a bit about what types of stories I may integrate. But ultimately, when the client is hiring me, I think that they kind of put faith in that I, I know what I'm going to be putting in there. And so I kind of try to to cherry pick and and select yeah. the stories that I think will resonate the most with that audience. Um, so some may be from my childhood as a, a first generation Indian American, right? Mm -hmm. Some may be from grief and loss. Some might be through the my um, journey of entrepreneurship, right? And so I just kind of figure out what stories may resonate and drive home a particular point, and then I, I practice them and incorporate them. Yeah, that's a great point. You practice them almost so they sound unpracticed. They're, they're so uh, free-flowing and natural. They're not scripted, but you have a structure in your mind, right? And that, that's, uh, that's what you keep in track. Your third point then is to keep it simple. Again, I, I love this one. The temptation often is, especially if we're new to the business of consulting or training or keynote delivery, is we feel this pressure to just snow the audience or just tell everything we know. 
in the belief that the more I give people, the more it raises my uh, profile in their minds. You don't think that's true, and I agree with you. You say, keep it simple. Don't firehose the audience with information and keep your decks simple too. Let's talk about that for a moment. I think that the best speakers are the ones that are able to whittle down a concept into the simplest of terms. Uh, one of my friends um, was to, was mentored by Les Brown, and Les Brown says that the best speakers make their point in the fewest words. So don't fire hose people with seven points that you want them to take away from your presentation. In fact, I I sometimes will keep it to two, maybe three that I'm making an entire one hour keynote. And even that you have to be careful about because you have to deep dive to some degree into each of those points, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, what's the goal for the audience? You want the audience to be able to come away with the, the things that are your biggest takeaways. And they can't do that if you just spew information at them. Brain can only process but so much. So I really think two to three points is the maximum. And to separate ourselves and our value from the amount of information that we're communicating. Mm -hmm. Instead, look at value as a correlation to the efficiency with which we communicate that information. I love it. So the temptation is, of course, to tell people what we know and to keep on telling and sometimes that's called information stacking. But the result is that the audience comes away with a confused message. We have to keep it simple. Um, and as you say beautifully, you maximize the value you provide to your audience when they walk away remembering your key points. Um, so before we wrap up then, what are your plans for your brand and your business, Nitty? Well, I am focusing full-time on doing keynote speaking and workshops and trainings. And so... Mm. Um, my goal is to continue to speak at events and to organizations about these topics. And um, in terms of personal brand building, I'm really focusing energy and time on LinkedIn because I find that that's where a lot of the other thought leaders are and decision makers for organizations that I'd want to work with. So um, I think that it's really important that in this day and age, if you're going to be putting out a personal brand, that you utilize storytelling in your posts as a way to showcase your skills and, and your expertise in being a good speaker. And so that's how I'm building uh, in 2022 going into 2023. Where can people find out more about you and your brand? Sure. You can reach out to me. My email address is my initials N as in nitty, T as in Tawari, NT at wellbeingspeaker.com. And uh, you can go to my website as well. It's www.wellbeingspeaker.com. Also on all social media as well. So just find me, Nitty Tawari LCSW. Nidhi, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show and delivering such value to the audience. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure to, to speak with you. My sincere thanks to Nidhi for being my guest today. You can find out more about Nidhi by looking at wellbeingspeaker.com. That's www.wellbeingspeaker.com. And my thanks to you for tuning in to this week's episode of the show. There is an episode of the Training Business Podcast every Thursday without fail on your podcast platform of choice. Please click subscribe. It takes a couple of seconds to do, costs absolutely nothing. And of course, I'd love you to tell other people about the show, people out there in the world of facilitation, coaching, training, people who are just like you and I selling what we do to the audience that needs it. 
If you've got suggestions for the show, please drop me a line. I read all emails personally and reply individually. And my email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. Until next Thursday, keep training, keep selling. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.